You're listening to the Anchor Faith Church Message Podcast with our senior pastor, Earl Glisson. Enjoy the message. Well, today I do believe the Lord's going to allow us to finish our I Will Follow series. This is our fifth week, and it came upon us pretty quick, so much so that I was like, wow, it's already finished? You know, now again, if the Lord wanted me to pick back up on this subject the next time I come and minister, because I won't be ministering next Sunday, uh, Pastor Marcy and I and some ladies are going to be out of town for the Kindle the Flame conference. I'm not ministering there. I'll actually be at a men's conference in Manford, Oklahoma, ministering at Pastor Greg Hurd's church, um, and then do Sunday with him to celebrate an anniversary. We had planned to do this back in May, um, but uh, no one would let us travel. <laughs> So as a result of that, you know, we kind of push some things back. But the Lord's faithful. And what the Lord needs me to deposit that I would have deposited in May, I'll be at a deposit here in September. And I know Pastor Marcy, who was not supposed to be at Kindle the Flame speaking this year, has a word from God. Amen? Amen. And so much like what we did in camp meetings, she'll do there. And the ladies that are traveling, you're going to be blessed as a result of it. Amen? So we want to stay hooked up, you understand? Um, uh, I don't know why it is, um, but, you know, when I go back on our YouTube channel and I see one of our messages and it ends up being a series, that first one always has way more views than the rest. They always decline. Um, and, you know, that just lets me know how the body of Christ is. That's just honestly, it's just very difficult for people to remain disciplined to finish things through. I don't know why that is, but it is. Um, so, you know, but I'm glad you're here and you're going to hook up with us. Amen. And we're going to finish this thing out exactly as God wanted us to finish it. Amen. So, you know, our key text here in this passage of scripture is in Romans chapter eight, verse 14. I tell you those things, not for the sake of, you know, you shouldn't feel bad. You're here in service. What I'm saying is, is that people are interested in, uh, subjects within God's word, uh, only to a level. You know, um, I was, got a text from Anila. She informed me concerning our Supreme Court judge that had passed away. And um, um, she was, um, by descent, Jewish. And, um, you know, her policies, you know, or her, her um, judgments didn't always reflect the Word of God. You know, so there's reason to ask the question, you know, was she right with the Lord? All right, now ultimately... That's decided. You hear what I'm saying? I mean, she was the highest judge of the land, but there's a higher judge, and she'll be before him. She'll see the greatest court ever soon enough, okay? Um, so I don't know which one she's going to. I can't answer that question. I'm not here to debate that question. Um, but um, the comment was this person that, you know, there's no natural indication that they were passionately following the Lord on an outward expression, did a lot in the earth. And the question is, is what are we doing in the earth that is full of the Holy Ghost? Because just because we have the greater one does not mean that we're disciplining ourselves to be all that God wants us to be. And, um, you know, we have great accolades for people who, you know, arrive at great accomplishments. But we know every one of them is because there is some great sacrifice they've done to arrive to that layer of influence. And yet the greater ones on the inside of us, are we doing the same thing? 
to be able to accomplish. And again, that's an internal question you ask yourself. I ask that question often myself. You know, I've, I think of some of the natural talents that I believe the Lord's given me, and I'm like, am I utilizing them to the best of my ability? A am I really, you know, pushing myself and, and seeking God in such a way that God could really utilize me to his fullest potential, you know? And at the end of the day, if his fullest potential is what I'm currently in right now, I'd be satisfied because he'll say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. I mean, if two Two talents is what I'm faithful with, and I can reproduce two more. That's fine. I don't have to have five. But if I should have had five, right? I mean, I don't want to hear the Lord say this to me. You should at least put it in the bank and think that putting it in the bank would have, and that would have, I mean, that wouldn't have got a rebuke from that, you know, one servant. So you should at least put it in the bank to draw interest, which means that's the least you could have done with the one. But we know the expectation is to multiply what we have, right? And we all have to deal with this, especially, you know, when you live in a nation that God's prospered, uh, that, you know, there's great liberties there that is giving you. I mean, again, we said this uh, before. If you compare what you currently make to the globe, you are in the top 5% of wealth in the world. So, you know, quit trying to be wealthy. You are very wealthy right now. The problem is you're comparing your salary or what you make to other people in our nation. And that's a horrible comparison. All right? So let's do something great with what we already have. Amen. I just keep hearing the Lord say that to me. He's been like, this has been a resounding thing in my spirit. What do you have? 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 Amen. Well, the good news is now the next thing is we've got to answer, well, what do we have? What is it that we have that he's talking to me about that what do I have? We know that woman was oil and that little bit of oil that she had that she saw as not enough was the wealth of the kingdom. It was the doorway to the kingdom of God. That it seemed insignificant until she followed the plan of God that defies natural logic and goes, invites, uh, goes and talks to all her neighbors and gets empty vessels. And he warned her so that she would not be small in her faith said, don't get a few, because he knew you don't think you have nothing, and if you go get empty ones, you're not going to get many because you actually have this perception, I don't got nothing. I don't have nothing. And he was like, quit that. I'm going to don't get a few, because you don't understand you got a lot more than you think. So she obeyed that, got quite a bit got into the house, shut the doors, and shutting the doors means that's where your faith is at. Because you understand, you're not kidding God where your faith's at. God knows where you've shut the door on his word, meaning that's all that I believe. There's nothing more. He knows. And man, she shut the door, and all those vessels were there, and she started to pour, and much to her surprise... You know, our faith in God should be a surprise to us still. I'm not, I know we should be firmly persuaded, but when we're moving in it, then he will do, as his word said, do exceedingly abundantly far beyond what we could think or imagine, which means I'm believing you for this, which means then when it starts flowing, yeah. 
that not only do I get it, but then that over, I was like, wow, my faith shocked me. It got more than I even asked for. Hallelujah. And she starts pouring, and lo and behold, when it should have been out, it just kept going. And then she went to the next one. Don't you know that every time she went to another one, her confidence grew? What I mean by that is she got to the place that she knew somewhere along the line. It's not going to stop until the vessels that I brought in are, are all full. That's why she said, bring me another. She knew this won't stop till I have the last one. And they're like, there's no more. And then that was it. Which tells me this then. Listen, why would she ask for another vessel? Because what she started with was still full. When she poured into the last one, it filled up. It was still in there for the next. Because if it would have like ran out. Oh, that's it. It knew. No. It was, it, what she started with was full as well. Or whatever that amount was. It could have been that much in that vessel. I don't know. I'm just saying it obviously was still there that she could look into it and say, get me another. Not that, oh, that must have been the last one. This is empty now because it never emptied. Hallelujah. All right. So we need to be led by the Spirit. That's a great example of someone being led by the Spirit or what the Spirit of God is saying to them. It naturally defies what they, that's why you can't be naturally minded. Amen? Now, that doesn't mean you won't do natural things supernaturally. I mean, it's natural oil in a natural vessel, and we got more natural vessels, and it took natural energy to go ask natural neighbors to get those natural empty vessels and to naturally shut the door. Those are all natural things. But we did all those natural things because we had a supernatural word that something would occur in those natural things that could never have happened by itself naturally. Hallelujah. So again, when someone said, well, you know, we need to, you know, I mean, we've got a brain, right? And, well, you know, obviously you don't want to override certain natural things. Well, the natural things support the supernatural move. In essence, it's there to get you in the position so whatever supernatural is going to happen, it'll manifest. Okay. So in Romans chapter 8, verse 14, it says, For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And you know, uh, we've said this on many a times, uh, many times, um, that this word led means to lead, but it also carries another idea so that this passage of Scripture could read this way, following the leadership of the Holy Spirit is one of the privileges of being a son of God, although it may be agonizing to learn how to defer to him and to really let him be your leader. Right? So, we need to understand that our flesh is going to battle the spirit daily. We know this already. Uh, This is a daily thing. So, that means that you have to consistently exercise. In fact, I remember one time, my wife and I, when we were students at Ramah, I had uh, this um, um, routine that on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, because we got out at 1130, I would go after class with another minister who's in Birmingham, Alabama now, Brandon Ball. Him and I would go and work out at the gym. And she came over to the um, NRC, that's the acronym for the play, the gymnasium, and was waiting on us to finish working out. Well, one of the students that we were in class with came up to her and says, you know, um, you know where's your husband? He said, well, he's you know working out. Uh, I'm waiting on him to come. He said, well, doesn't he read the Bible? And she was kind of stunned by that, you know, obviously. And he goes, doesn't he know that physical exercise profits little, right? 
You know, so, you know, it's just someone who doesn't want to work out, right, and try to justify not working out according to Scripture. Well, it says physical exercise profits little, but godliness profits exceedingly, or there's an abundance in comparison. A godly exercise is way greater than just physical exercise, but physical exercise still profits, number one. Number two, if you don't keep your skin suit healthy, then the devil can take you out early. So what profit is that to all that you know that you can't get around? All right, so that's not what he intended. What he's saying is, is that you shouldn't focus on the natural alone. That's why he said this, man shall not live on bread alone. Bread alone. That means you shouldn't live by natural means alone. But you're going to have to have some natural means to live. Go ahead and try it. Separate timber and carry it through the rest of the year into next year. Quit eating. And let's see how far it goes. Just abandon all natural. Don't drink water. Don't eat any food. Just only, well, we're going to be, you know, doing a funeral for you. You hear what I'm saying? I mean, you're not going to override that. It's not going to happen. Okay? So with that being said, you know, physical exercise does have a profit, but it's nothing like spiritual exercise. Now, why am I bringing this up? Because the, we know the spirit and the, and the flesh battle daily. If I get out of the gym, any progression I've had, I will lose. Now, here's the thing. Naturally, my body is not glorified, meaning I'm not in a state that can never break down. In fact, my body is breaking down. So I can strive very hard to maintain a strength to maintain. But there are, is a sin in the earth that's within my natural suit that is still breaking down. And no matter how much I fight it, and I can, and I get it quickened with the word, it's still going to go by the wayside. Okay, now I may be able to maintain it really well, but in the end, it still will not be at a peak performance at some particular time in the scope of my life. All right. With that being said, if I do stop, I will digress, even though at one time I did it. Now, if physical exercise profits little, which means I must maintain the exercise to maintain performance. And he's likening it to godliness or spiritual growth and exercise. If physical exercise, I stop, I digress. What happens when we quit spiritually exercising? So we think we can miss a couple services and it won't affect us. Go ahead. You take a month off. You show back up, try to do the same weight. It's going to be a problem. At minimum, you're going to be really sore the next couple of days because you've been out. Now, you'll get conditioned to a soreness, just naturally speaking, where it's not as bad because you're kind of used to that. But when you've been out and you go work out, I've seen some of our guys take a brand new person, do leg day one day, and I just want to cry <laughs> for that person. I feel for them. I have empathy because I know the suffering they're going to be having in three days. I know the great difficulty bathroom moments are about to become. I understand this, right? They're going to be hurting really bad and walking really funny. 
I'm wondering, should we ever do this again? That's why I'm always like, when I take someone new, if I was doing workout legs, I'm like, hey, I know you feel strong, but don't do it. Because I'm telling you right now, you're going to regret it later. Let's ease into this deal <laughs> so that you know that soreness won't be so hor horrific on you, all right? Well, you understand when it comes to spiritual growth and development, we've got to continue to stay. And you understand our ability to hear the Holy Spirit dulls when we don't keep our spiritual exercise. One way to spiritually exercise is to pray in the Spirit. You build up your most holy faith. How? Praying in the Spirit. This is why Paul, who wrote over half of the New Testament, um, God obviously used, he said, I pray in tongues more than y'all. He was constantly spiritually exercising. Now, again, you shouldn't just be a spiritual exerciser and not a physical exerciser. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is you should spiritually exercise. That's one way that you can exercise. The other way is to read the Word. The third way, and it's not in order. I'm not doing this in order. They're all equally as important. And that is coming together in fellowship and not forsaking yourself together, doing your fit in the body. Your serving is an exercise by coming and putting your hand to do something. Amen? Because let me just put it this way. I could liken it this way. All of you have come this morning, Right? But some of you are getting a better workout because you're serving somewhere. All of us can go to the gym and sit around and talk on a bench. But the ones that are actually applying the weight are the ones who are going to get the biggest benefit. Now, you get a benefit just walking in because walking itself is a benefit. And walking around the whole gym and seeing all the different equipment there, you know, and talking with people about how to use it so that your mind can get around how to use that machine, those are all beneficial. But until you actually get on it, we're not going to see a real change. That's why you can only remain in the seat here for so long if you really want to grow. You're going to have to start exercising yourself by getting involved in our supportive ministries. Amen? So those three things will help strengthen you spiritually so that you become more in tune with what the Holy Ghost is saying. And as children of God, we should grow. Rick Renner said this, the leading of the Holy Spirit is often subtle, taking the form of an impression or nudging in our hearts to do something. However, his leading can be more dramatic, such as through a prophecy, dream, or vision, or simply through a voice speaking clearly to our spirit. The truth is, learning to know the voice of the Holy Spirit and being led by him should be one of our primary concerns as a growing, maturing child of God. It's all part of that lifelong pursuit to know him and the power of his resurrection as you press toward the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus. We see in Romans chapter 8, verse 16, a little bit further down, it says the Spirit himself, what, testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. The Holy Spirit speaks to our spirit. The Passion Translation says it this way, for the Holy Spirit makes fa God's fatherhood real to us as he, what, whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. Wow, isn't that awesome? So we see here that there's this communication between the Holy Spirit in us, for we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. When we made Jesus the Lord of our lives, that spirit man that was dead without Christ, it passed away, and behold, all things became new. We became a new creature in Christ spiritually. Right. 
Then the Holy Spirit came and took up residence inside us to speak to our spirit. Not to our minds, but to our spirit. And when our spirit then speaks to our mind or our soul realm and begins to say, now the Holy Ghost just said to do this. Then we begin to take captive every thought. We begin to renew our minds. We begin to say, what are you saying? And on the inside, this Brother Hagin used to call it the inward witness. Something on the inside would begin to speak to us, okay? Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27 says, The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the innermost parts of his being. God is spirit. So we must connect to him with the spirit. You cannot connect to God naturally through knowledge. You can only connect to God spiritually through revelation knowledge revealed by the Spirit to your spirit that then will renew your mind. Are you with me? That then will renew your mind and you're like, now I have the ability to hear God. When we were lost without the Lord, we could not hear Him. We only listened to the devil. The Spirit would begin to speak to our dead spirit, you need Jesus. And somewhere in there, we would get this deposit of faith that did not derive from our own natural ability, but came by the Spirit. And when we called on the name of Jesus, immediately our spirit came alive to God. We were born again, reborn or born from above. All of a sudden, we have the capacity in our spirit to not only hear God, but to obey Him. Now, I'm not saying that a spirit dead that's outside of God cannot hear God. What I'm saying is, is they're not hearing to obey. Because that spirit, although it may hear the voice of God, wants to rebel against the voice of God. And as long as a person wants to live in that state of rebellion, they will. But when that person says, I'm tired of rebelling against this, I want to yield. I want to walk in the light of this truth that I need Jesus. Well, then God gets rid of the spirit in us that is in rebellion and deposits a spirit in us that is willing and obedient or uh, desires to do so. But your mind has to get wrapped around that. Because your mind's been so conditioned, your soul realm so conditioned to live by the senses that when the Spirit starts to say, I know how you feel, but don't do it. Now, when I say the Spirit, I'm not just talking the Holy Ghost. I'm talking your spirit. When your spirit, hearing the Holy Spirit, says, you know what, just let it go. Your mind is say, let it go. Let it go. Let it go. You know what they did to me? You know how they talked to me? You know how they just responded to me? Let it go? Oh, no, I ain't going to let it go. I'm going to get all up in it. And you know your spirit said, no, don't do it. Don't. I got another way. I got a better way. I got a way that leads to life. But you got to hear it. And if you're not exercising that, you won't. Even in the natural, we have to train our children. Again, we had a baby dedication last night. We had to train those. We're having to train, train up a child. It's not just because they're born, they're going to naturally make that choice. It is delusional. 
For you to think that your child is going to follow God without some form of training. It's delusion. Well, we're going to let them figure it out for themselves. I don't want to pressure them into anything. Well, good. You just let the devil pressure them. You, in essence, said devil pressure them to stay with you and make it more difficult for them to follow God. Well, I, I'm not going to make them come to church. My parents made me go to church. They didn't make you go to church. They, you were under their authority. That's like saying your employer makes you come to work. That's asinine. We don't even think half the time. That's just the devil talking. See, that's not the Holy Ghost talking. Trying to keep you out of assembling. Well, I, I, I don't want to do that to my children. No, you were in rebellion and didn't want what God was saying from the pastor in the first place. Or, you know, you were conflicted because there was hypocrisy and maybe what you were raised in. And you, but the problem is you didn't seek God on your own anyway. I remember the Holy Ghost spoke to me one time, speaking of being led by the Spirit on the inner man. Let me say it this way. I have had some outside of inward witness moments with the Holy Ghost. One very specific is when I was called to ministry in the first place uh, because I was not filled with the Holy Ghost I, or not baptized in the Holy Ghost, okay? Um, I was just born again, and God wanting to let me know that I've got a plan for you. Uh, he went beyond an inward witness when I was praying to him in Atlanta, Georgia, heading to work one afternoon to do a, a second shift um, uh, stint at my employment, um, I was praying and seeking God and just wanting to be used and wanting to touch people's lives, you know, just had God's heart's cry, especially out of the denomination that was constantly teaching that people need to be born again. And so in that prayer time, all of a sudden in my little Ford Ranger truck, man, my windshield disappeared and I saw myself like this from behind speaking to a sea of people. At the time, I articulated hundreds of thousands, but the reality is, as God has brought that back up to me uh, through the years, I really saw no end to the people. I mean, I really couldn't count that. But I will never forget, God spoke to me about it because from that moment, I was always trying to find that place, that place thing I saw that when my windshield left, and I'm driving on six lanes of traffic, you know, in the interstate, but it was gone. And I saw this image as clear as I'm seeing you today. And I'll never forget, they got a picture of me in India one time uh, uh, when we went and ministered at a, a minister's conference. And I was on this platform that was 20 feet up in the air. There were 10,000 uh, ministers and helps ministers, people from churches, and I was preaching. They got a picture like this from behind, and I thought, is that it? Is that it? Yeah, it, but in my spirit, it just didn't seem like that was it. So I was like, well, there must be another moment. There must be another time, another crowd, another something, right? Because it was dark, and I couldn't see everybody out there, but I knew there was about 10,000 people out there. Well, then we went to a school the last time I was in India, and I was speaking to a student body, and there's only probably, you know, maybe, you know, two, three hundred students out there, and I ended up putting my hands out like this, and they got a picture again. And I was looking at it on a phone, and I heard the Holy Ghost say, he said, the vision was never one moment in time. But it was a collection of every time that you minister, you tend to do this. And whether it's in front of 10 or whether it's in front of 10,000, it's the culmination of every time you get up and preach Christ to people. Hallelujah. 
It's a culmination of the life of the ministry that God has given me. We understand he continued to reveal, but that was on the inside. I heard him speak to me. It wasn't an audible voice. It wasn't through a prophecy. It wasn't through another vision. And here's the thing. If you need someone to speak a word to you or you need a vision or you need a dream, that's the only way you're ever going to know. You're identifying that you've not yet matured enough spiritually. Now, you can be mature and get a vision. You can be mature and get a dream. You can be mature and get a prophetic word. But if you cannot hear God in the inward man and you are desiring only those ways to determine God's talking to you, that's immaturity. The majority of the time, God will lead his children through the inward witness, meaning something on the inside, that's the Holy Ghost speaking to your spirit about a situation. Again, let's put up Proverbs 20, 27. The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the innermost parts of his being. Remember, he's a, a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. What's he saying? That he will speak to us about future things that he can communicate through a prophecy, dream, or vision, or just to our inward man of something that's coming at a distance. But the majority of time, he's giving you just enough information to take the next step. Just enough information, take the next step. Just enough information, take the next step. And guess what? When he's a lamp into your feet, you're confident to take the next step because you know the next step. If you don't know the next step, that's where you're seeking the Spirit to speak to you. And you don't always have to run around and be asking people, what's the next step? Hallelujah. Okay? So we need to understand that he's doing this because he has the daunting task, okay, of trying to communicate to your spirit by renewing, by having to deal with your mind in areas that are not renewed because he's always having to deal with your carnal mind or natural mind, okay? Because even when you have renewed your mind to God, when you go from faith to faith, you're going to go from calling those things that be not as though they were to calling those things that be not as though they were. And in the natural, it's going to be like, just doesn't make sense. But God. I said, but God. Okay. And just when you get one thing under your belt and you get confident, then God requires you to go beyond what you can naturally see and understand again. But on the inside, you know, I need to do that. I need to do that's God speaking to me. But again, we just to kind of go full circle real quick. Look at Hebrews chapter four, verse 12. He says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper, active and sharper than any two edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit. This lets us know also with first Thessalonians 523 that our spirit, soul and body is to remain blameless until the return of Christ. These scriptures let us know there is a difference between your spirit man and your soul man. And I'm going to be honest with you. The majority of teaching the word of God and worship even is soulish. It's not spirit led. Just because you use a scripture does not mean that you're moving in the spirit or with the spirit. The devil used scripture and we can't say he was being spiritually led. 
But he was trying to impact the emotions, the soul realm of Jesus. Okay? So, but it's the word of God that can split that. It'll split that. In essence, if you, that's why we started this whole I Will Follow series with recognizing that the very first thing recognized with Jesus was not his miraculous events because of the power of the Holy Ghost that had come upon him, but it was his wisdom in Scripture. So when we allow the Word of God, what it will do is the Word of God will push our emotions, our thinking, our own understanding. It can move it out of the way. So that we won't lean to that, but acknowledge what the Spirit is saying to our spirit. Hallelujah. So, let me just say it this way. When I need to hear a word from God, I do more reading than praying. Now, it doesn't mean I don't pray. But I do more reading than praying because I need to get to a place where I am so full of the word that it's moving my soul realm out so that when I am praying, I'm making sure that's what the Holy Ghost said. And let me tell you, he's put me in some very awkward positions. Very tough moments in one sense that violated my natural stuff, but in the end did some supernatural things. Hallelujah. Beyond the moment I heard that voice. Now, you know the testimony that I have uh, when I was in the National Guard that um, I was sitting out talking with some people one day and the person that was overseeing the, the whole warehouse, all of the warehouses that we were, you know, a part of came up and slapped me in the face in front of everybody. And then, then, you know, shocked that they did it themselves, you know, pulled a little necklace I had up underneath my shirt uh, that happened to be WWJD, which stands for what would Jesus do, and then asked what that was, and I said it means what would Jesus do, and he would turn the other cheek, so here's the other one, you can slap it. Now, that was by the Spirit. (laughs) Amen? Because naturally speaking, when someone hauls off and slaps your face in front of other guys, you hear what I'm saying? And if you're prone to like most men are, that I'm not going to look like you're stronger than I am, a conflict typically occurs. Now, I've always been small. Unlike David Mackey, I didn't look for the biggest guy in the room and knock him out. I said, you're a great big guy. Nice to know you. And go on. (laughs) I would like to avoid the conflict altogether, right? Because I like my face. Even if I win, I don't want somebody touching me, right? I mean, I don't want to go out saying, yeah, but you should see them and know they look worse and I'm still jacked up. I mean, I'm not into that, right? Okay. My violence was in a football field if that was the case. Other than that, I want to avoid that altogether, right? (laughs) Anyway, with that being said, um, that occurred. Well, I was led by the Spirit to give that response. God didn't come down and say, hold on a minute. Now, I need to talk to you. I know you're struggling right now emotionally. I didn't get a dream or a vision that manifested. One of the people didn't say, thus saith the Lord, do not retaliate. 
Vengeance is God's, saith the Lord. Let him repay. Just go ahead and turn your other cheek. Thank you for that. But I, you know, I'm just here. No, I mean, you're on the inside. But as you know, because of that inside inward witness, two years later, I get another talking from the Lord. It's the summer between my first and second year of Ramah, and I hear the Holy Ghost say to me, do not save money for you and your wife's tuition. I will provide. I heard him say that in my spirit. And I told him, I said, we are not saving nothing. God's going to provide. I heard that in my spirit. Well, we go through the whole service, summer. I'm working. My wife's doing some cleaning. We got three kids. I mean, we're making ends meet, right? We're uh, living, you know, um, uh, two paychecks ago to three paychecks before that, you know, type stuff. And God's just, you know, what? <laughs> I mean, he's like manna stuff. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, it's like stretching stuff. I mean, the rice is still going. Thank God, you know, stuff like that. And yet we get close to finishing the summer and there's nothing. So thoughts come, you know, maybe one person goes, the other one stays out. But I'm like, no, I heard the spirit of God say that we didn't have to save. And I believe the Spirit of God spoke to pastor when he said that if you started Rhema, it's a two-year school, you're going to finish Rhema. And I don't think that God sent us here to go through the first year together for us not to finish the second year together. He's going to provide. And that was my confession of faith. Amen. And then as you know, most of you, some of you don't know this, but that guy that slapped me in the face showed up at our house. Showed up in Oklahoma all the way from Florida. And him and his wife took us out to eat, bought my kids' school clothes for the next year, all three of them, and left. And then the wife called back and says, How are your, how's your tuition? And my wife said, Well, we're believing God. And she said, We're going to pay it. And they paid every month of both of our tuitions the whole year. It saved one month. Somebody else did that. But because I heard the Holy Ghost to turn the other cheek response, and because I heard the Holy Ghost, don't save it. God knew all the while that because you acted like that towards me here, then allow me two years later to use them to pay your tuition. And then, I don't know, 13 years later, 14 maybe, years later, they showed up at this church, set up here in this second row, and both of them, got healed by God at a living faith crusade. And both of them, well, the wife was already, but this guy is acknowledging Jesus now. Wasn't even born again. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, the inward witness is a powerful thing. If we will train ourselves. You see, because pride would say, don't take any money, I'll get it myself. I'll work two or three jobs, so I got to. Ain't nobody going to help me. There's many people I said, hey, you, can I help? No, you know, I don't want to take, no, I'm not taking a handout. It's not a handout. This is a blessing from God. So quit being prideful. Amen. There's many opportunities to be led by the Spirit in different things that are going on. But this word, Hebrews 4.12, says it will split this soul and spirit realm and joints and marrow. So there's the three part of man, soul, spirit, and body, joints and marrow, and is able, look at this, to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. 
Meaning, he knows why you would ask for something. He puts the desire in, in you to ask for something. Because when you do it his way, you'll have what he says. But if you use his word to do it your way, then you'll ask amiss and get nothing. This is a powerful thing, being led by the Spirit of God. And we are to follow him, follow him, follow him, follow him. It is one of the requirements and privileges of being a child of God is that we cultivate the ability to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to us. And I would love to tell you it's super easy. But the reality is, it is a labor. You must labor to hear. Now, if you're like, man, I seem like I hear him real easy. It's because you're laboring in the word right now, and you're laboring and praying in the spirit, and you're laboring at staying connected to the local body church. That's why it's kind of easy for you right now. But you take those elements out, it's not going to be easy. In fact, the Bible says, unless you've been trained in righteousness... That means, yes, you've been made righteous in Christ in the spirit. Your spirit man's right with God. It has every ability to hear from God. But you have to train yourself in righteousness. That means you have to get your mind to think like God thinks by hearing what the Holy Spirit is revealing to your spirit and then submitting to that. And if you've not been trained in righteousness, the Bible is very clear in Hebrews, you cannot discern good and evil, which means then you will think it's right. And there's a way that seems right to a man. But in the end, so it's not easy. It, it takes labor. It takes work. It takes discipline. When I meet with people here or hear things and meet with other pastors other places, you understand, I cannot get emotionally attached to your situation. At the end of the day, we need to know what is God saying? I know it's tough, but what does he say? Because the Holy Ghost has an answer. And he's not concerned about how your emotions feel. He's concerned about will you get the victory. Because if you'll get over into victory, he'll change your emotions. I mean, you can be in the worst situation and laugh and have peace and joy. Beyond anyone's understanding, he'll guard your mind. But that's because you're led by him. Okay, you are led by him. I said you're led by him. Now, in order to be led by the spirit, uh, that Greek word literally means like a farmer takes a cow and leads him to where he needs to go. That's the description of that word led. And again, the cow does not resist the farmer, just goes where he goes, gently leads gently leads. This is why you'll hear us say multiple times if we've ever met with you that, listen, at the end of the day, you have to follow peace. What's the Holy Spirit saying? Where is he leading you? Let me tell you, he is not tackling you. But if, if you don't watch out, many believers want God to take control. Jesus, take the will. <laughs> You know, take control. Show me what to do. He will show you through leading. He will not show you through pushing you somewhere. That's not how his spirit works. He's a gentleman. 
he, you have to willingly follow. Because if he was that aggressive, make no mistake about it, Jesus come down and make you get right. Because he does not want you to be in the lake of fire. But here's the thing. Physically taking you somewhere out of harm's way doesn't change that you still have a desire to be where death is. So you can't see the father like if your child was out uh, where a car was about to come and you run and tackle them out of the way because they weren't listening to you, you saved their lives. This is how we want God to treat us spiritually. But let me say it this way. If your child wants to stand in front of a car because that's their desire, they'll find a place when you're not around. So if God knows that you don't want to follow him, there is no way he's going to drag you around. Doesn't work that way. But do you know why we actually really want this? Let's read this scripture and I'll tell you why. In John chapter 4, verses 23 to 24, it says this. Jesus said, but an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is what? He is spirit, and those who worship him must worship. This is not singing. This is bowing down to his authority. Must worship him how? In spirit. You can't worship him in soul. In spirit, but not just spirit, in what? This is very significant. Three things that we see in this passage of Scripture. The first thing is, he says, when the true worshipers, which imply there are false ones. What then is a false worshiper? It's a good question. Okay? Well, one thing that a false worshiper is, is they would not worship him in spirit and in truth. Because you can go after God in spirit, but not with the spirit. Because there are other voices out there. Let me give you a case in point. Jesus, when he rebuked demons out of people, he said, shut up and come out. They would say, Jesus, the Son of the Most High, have you come to uh, torment us before our time? They're talking out of the spirit of a man that they have possessed. And they are accurate in what they're saying. Jesus, have you come to torment us before our time? Shut up. Paul had this girl that was possessed of, of a spirit that would fortune tell, in essence, had familiar spirits in her that went around ungodly people and knew what they were doing. So in essence, they could tell them where they'd been, who they were with, what they were wearing at various times because familiar spirits knew it. That's why you don't want to go to somebody operating in witchcraft like that. I mean, God knows everything, but there are familiar spirits that follow around in the world, know things, and get access to people and can say, you are such and such a place wearing this. Oh, that must be God. You know what? Demons can know where you've been and what you've been wearing. Now, they're not all knowing. That's why you got to learn how to discern. And Paul was going, and this girl kept saying, they preach of the Son of the Most High. They preach. In essence, she was telling truth, but from the wrong spirit. That Paul, within the third day, 
in essence, Jesus, I know what the Holy Ghost said. The Holy Ghost says, you need to tell that thing to shut up. Now you say, why does it matter? It's not God, you know. <laughs> Let me tell you why. Because the minute Paul was in that area and did that work with the Lord and left that area, then that girl could, that spirit then could begin to turn that church towards it because she could boast, did I not tell you that he was a man of God? Did I not tell you he was sent? And then deceive them. So what did Paul do? Shut up and come out. In essence, don't you advertise for Jesus. I find it so crazy that Christians would actually entertain in their mind. Now, these like hypothetical situations. If my child had been abducted and was kidnapped, and you knew that a person that was, you know, a fortune teller knew where they were at, you wouldn't go to them? A psychic. No. No, I wouldn't. Because it ain't like that psychic's got more of an inside track than the Holy Ghost. The only reason you would entertain that is because you're saying, I don't know how to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit or trust God. Wow. Yeah, that familiar spirit may know the person who abducted them because they've been around them. But my God. I said, my God. But why am I entertaining some hypothetical situation anyway? Why am I looking for a reason that I would do something that's outside of the word? Would there be a situation that would allow me to compromise that? Are you with me? No, we need to know how to hear him. John chapter 10, verse 4 through 5 says, When he... Put forth all of his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his they know his voice. A stranger, they simply will not follow, but will flee from him. Now, what's that tell us? Strangers are going to talk. Strangers are talking. Strangers are talking with the term prophetess. And prophet. And they're not at this church, and they don't keep watch over your soul, and yet you watch them obsessively on Facebook and YouTube because you want to be in the prophetic. Yet you're just getting into the pathetic. They don't keep watch over your soul, and you give your time and energy to hear a word from them and what word they're saying and where they're going. I've gone through YouTube enough because ours is there, and I see people, you need to hear this. No spirit leading says go there. Now, I'm not saying that the Holy Ghost couldn't lead me because some people actually can have something from God, but I'm not going to listen just because. I'm not going to entertain just because. But many are pulled away. Why? Because we live in a consumer church. In the United States, it's consumerism. Go get what you want. We've taken how we merchandise everything, and we've merchandised the anointing, and we're looking. And make no mistake about it, the last day church is going to be like that. It's going to be in there. 
When I say the last day church, churches that are not following God, but they'll call it. They will cause people to come towards them because they're going to give them what they hear. Oh, I desire the supernatural and don't realize the word of God is the most supernatural thing you could ever have. The Holy Spirit already lives in you. You have the most supernatural experience you could ever have. And if you just follow him as he leads you, because demons will get on you. Spirits will press you. Spirits will push you. Spirits will drive you. And you think because you used to be with a daddy that drove you, now that you're with a new daddy, you want dad to drive you and take control of your life. But his new daddy says, I won't take control and drive you. I want you to sit at my feet and listen. And I'll lead you. And I'll guide you. And I'll protect you. And I'll fight your battles. By giving you the word to stand and fight the good fight of faith. Now, he ain't fighting your battles in the context that he's going to come down and fight it. He's already won. It's your fight of faith. You fight the good fight of faith. Jesus, come help me. Jesus like, I finished this thing. All you got to do is wait on what I say. And if you do what I say, then you will win the battle I've already won. Are you with me? You got to be led by the Spirit. But I'm telling you, emotions get involved. Your mind gets involved. Your circumstances get involved. And man, there's a lot of voices. But what's Jesus say? Those who hear my voice are strangers they won't follow. So let me tell you this. If you are not subjecting yourself to the reading of the Word, then you don't know His voice. If you're not subjecting yourself to not forsake the assembling of yourself together, you are not hearing his voice. If you are not subjecting yourself to praying in the spirit and seeking the spirit of God to reveal God's word to you, you are not hearing his voice because the devil will entertain you as an angel of light. And it'll seem right, and you'll have a scripture to back it, but he's pushing you in a direction He's not leading you. Kenneth E. Hagin said this. I'll guarantee you this. As you move into a new wave of the Spirit, you're going to see more and more excesses or fantasism because there's always excess in any move of the Spirit. You might as well get ready for it. You'll not have any move of the Spirit without excesses. Why? Because there's always those in your midst who are unlearned. This is why here at Anchor Faith Church, when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit, we ask if you have something, you could just come down and let an usher know to let us know so we can determine. Because sometimes it's just for you, and it's not for the congregation. Sometimes you're just trying to be noticed, and it's not for the congregation. Hallelujah. But sometimes it's just us helping train you how to hear it. And if you never gave a word from this platform, that does not diminish who you are in Christ. You've not arrived in spiritual maturity by giving a word. You've not arrived. And with that being said, you know, God's not obligated to use you every time. In fact, God speaks to many of you about things that he just lets you keep to yourself. And then I preach things. You're like, man, I, I had that. Why does the Holy Ghost do that? Because now you can take it because he already prepared you to receive it. Yes. Yes. Man, I knew you were going to preach on that. Well, 
because God wanted it to get in you. Amen? So we're led. With that being said, I'll close with this verse. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20 says this. Then Jesus came close to them and said, All authority of the universe has been given to me. Now go in my authority and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to faithfully follow all that I have commanded you, and never forget, and never forget, and never forget that I am with you every day, even to the completion of this age. God wants to lead you. He doesn't want to push you. But there are other voices that want to push you. They'll push you like you don't have a job. So the devil will give you a job somewhere else where there's no church. And they'll push you with the pressure of paying bills. And they'll push you. you got to take it. And this is the blessing of God. And they'll push you. It's a promotion. And they'll push you. And yet on the inside, you're wrestling. And it's not peaceful. But everything just sounds like and seems like you should take it anyway because you got to have it. And then those spirits that give you a scripture, like if a man don't uh, work, a man don't eat, okay, so I have to take it. And then you go somewhere that God never intended you to go, and your whole life falls apart because you didn't follow peace, but followed the need. You followed the pressure. What seemingly looked like it would alleviate it. Many people are not following God's plan for their life because it would cause them to quit the one they're in. And that's troubling to your soul because you're not sure how that works. But let me tell you, someone who worked outside the church, it's the greatest decision I ever made to follow him. Has it been with conflict? Sure. But everybody has conflict. I'd much rather be in conflict in the will of God than in conflict out. He's not going to make you do anything. He's going to ask you. In fact, uh, I had one minister or, or one individual come up to me uh, that's just not making enough money and was offered a job to go and leave the church and go to another state and was like troubled about it. I said, well, you just need to hear what the Holy Ghost is saying. Now, the Lord allowed me to be able to give a little more instruction there. And they didn't go. Then the Lord provided another opportunity. They took that opportunity and only charged a certain amount to do the particular job, and they got double for their trouble. They were asking for something less than what everyone else was asking for. They not only gave them what the others were asking for that they didn't even ask for, but then doubled it. But then went to a restaurant. And an individual had stopped breathing and fell on the floor. And the wife was crying because this husband is dead by all counts they've called 911 the individual went over and went to put their hands on you know their neck to feel for a pulse and they started breathing I wonder where that person's life would have been today if they had took the first job that seemed to be like it was the answer be led by the Spirit. 
And sometimes that leading seems very difficult. And sometimes that leading is in the right direction only to, for God to change it when you get to a place like we've talked about with Abraham. God said, go kill your son. That was the word of the Lord. But when he got to the top of the mountain, God says, I'm glad you followed me to this point. But that's not what I ultimately want you to do. I got a ram. And he came back down the mountain with his son that he always believed he'd have, but not the way he thought he would have had him. Because he was believing that God must be able to raise the dead. But God actually was never asking him to truly kill him in the first place. So you can be convinced God's taking me somewhere. I know this, but God's only taking you there just to make sure you would go that far. And then once you get there, you say, no, nah, I got something else. And it's even better. It only looked like it, you were going to have to go that far, but you didn't have to. That's why we must let our steps be ordered of the Lord. Because a lot of times we hear him and think that it's going a certain way only to get somewhere on the path and realize, whew, you had a whole nother thought process and plan that I never saw, but it's still in line with where we're going. And that's really an amazing thing, being led by the Spirit. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you want more, subscribe to our message podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Rating and leaving a comment will go a long way with helping our messages get better circulation. If you'd enjoy watching our weekend messages, visit youtube.com forward slash anchor faith. We'd love it if you'd subscribe, leave a comment or a like on the messages. If you'd like to find out more information about us and how we're influencing the world and help support the work we're doing by giving, just visit anchorfaith.com. 